So over the last several weeks, we've been on a series entitled All Things New. All Things New. Now, I don't know about you, but if you've ever really taken the time to think about the love of God and the great sacrifice of Christ and what that was all about, it's really about more than just what we think it is. We've been taught, we've been told it's about Jesus, it's about you know, him paying for our sins. But the truth of the matter is that there's something so much more that comes along with it. And over the last several weeks in this series, we've been touching on a main point, which is that we have a new life. We have a new life. And so in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse, verse 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. It says the old is gone, the new is here. Now, I want to point your attention to something real quick. That this is talking about what Christ has done, and as a result of what he's done, we are in Christ. In other words, we're one with God now. We're united with God. And if you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, or if you don't, I want you to see the intent and the purpose, the heart of God in this. He says the old is gone, the new has come. My point simply with that is this. God, his, his purpose, his intention, his focus, his direction was upon you and I partaking and enjoying a new life, not an old one, not an old one. Now, don't know where you've been, but I know this, the life that I came from and the person who I thought I was and the perspective that I had grown up to accept about myself and about my circumstances and about the potential that existed for me and the future that was ahead of me wasn't a good one growing up. It wasn't. But then I started seeing things from a different perspective. And so this new life is really an introduction and an invitation to see something new, to see something that God has made available to everyone. Listen, it's not just you. It's not just us who come to what we call church. It's not just us who congregate on a weekly basis in a facility. This is for the entire world. See, God wants us to experience something new, not something old. And so as a, as a part, as a result of this main point that we've been hitting on over these last several weeks, we've learned several things in regards to this new life, but also on how we access this new life practically. Now today I don't have the time, nor am I going to take the time to recap week after week. That would be five weeks worth. Um, but I encourage you, hey, go to the podcast, go on our website, download the app. It's available now. If you don't know how to download that, stop by our guest services desk. We'll gladly give you that information. Uh, but today I want to focus in on a, uh, another topic, and we're going to wrap up this series. But I want to start off by a joke, just to lighten it up. Now, how many of you guys ready for that? Come on, make me feel good, because you know I am not a comedian. I, I am not, I'm not that guy. All right, so act like it's funny, right? Thank you. <laughs> Help a brother here, right? So there was this Christian lady who lived next door to an atheist. And every day when this lady prayed, the atheist guy could hear her from next door. And he would think to himself, this lady sure is crazy. She's praying all the time, hooting and hollering like that. Doesn't she know there isn't any God? Many times while she was praying, he would go to her house and he would harass her. He'd bang on her door. He'd shout from her window and he'd say, Lady, why are you praying like that all the time? Don't you know there is no God? But she would just keep on praying. And one day, she ran out of groceries. 
And as usual, she was praying to the Lord and explaining her situation and thanking him for what he had done and what he was about to do. And as usual, the atheist heard her praying and he thought to himself, hmm, I'm going to show her a lesson. I'll fix her. And so he decides that he's going to the grocery store. And he buys her a whole bunch of groceries. I mean, he went all out. Um, And so he buys all these groceries and he takes them to her house and he drops them off at the front of her porch and he rings the bell and he runs and he dives and he hides in the bushes to see what she would do. Well, when she opened the door and she saw the groceries, she began to praise the Lord with all her heart. I mean, she's jumping, she's screaming, she's running, she's hooting, she's hollering, she's shouting everywhere. And the atheist then jumped out of the bushes and told her, you crazy old lady, God didn't buy you those groceries, I bought those groceries. So which, at which point she exclaimed all the more loud and she really broke out into hooting and hollering. And then she really started running around, not just down the street, but all around their whole little town praising God. So when he finally caught up, he says to her, what is wrong with you? What is your problem? And she said, I knew the Lord would provide some groceries, but I didn't know he was going to make the devil pay for it. <laughs> Listen. You guys almost got me thinking that was really funny. Thank you. (laughs) But listen, as we get into today's final installment of this series on a new life, um, I want us to uh, consider this. Look, we can enjoy a laugh at the expense of this cute story, but the heart of the matter here points our attention to a very important aspect of the new life that is available and is ours in Christ. And it's the blessing of God, ladies and gentlemen. And I don't know about... If you've ever taken the time to consider the blessing of God that is upon your life. It's not just upon your life. It's in you. It's with you. It goes with you. It comes with you. And sometimes we lose sight of that. But today I want to start off by going to the book of Galatians chapter 3. And we're going to look at verses 13 and 14. And uh, look, I get it. I realize that for some of us, when we start talking about the blessing of God, for some people, it rubs them the wrong way because somehow we believe that, you know, it's prideful to, to celebrate the goodness of God, to say, I am blessed. Uh, some of us, we've been taught that maybe, may, may, I know I was taught this way that, oh, you know, you're just called to be this poor old little sinner saved by grace. Um, and, you know, just, just wait till the sweet by and by, and woe is me, poor little me, and no, 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 don't give me anything, and no, 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 don't bless me, and no, 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 not me. But today, I pray that you will consider what God's Word says, not what I say, but that you will consider the opinion of God. And my hope and my prayer is that your eyes will be open and that you will see that God's desire and God's will is that you walk in His blessing. And so in Galatians chapter 3, 13 and 14, it gives us a very good reason as to why we should really consider the blessing of God and accept that blessing upon our lives. It says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. So I want you to consider what verse 13 is telling us. It's saying that Christ redeemed us. He brought us back from the curse of the law. In other words, it goes on to say that he became a curse for us. Why? Because that's what we were apart from God. See, if all we do is try to relate to God according to our 
behavior, our standards, religion, quote unquote, the spiritual hula hoops that we go through that we've been taught about. The scriptures declare that if you try to justify yourself before God by your works, it says that Christ is of none effect to you. And so what I want us to begin to see here is that Christ had to become what we were. But watch why. Verse 14 goes on to tell us that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now, I just want to pause right there and point your attention to something. That it's talking about the blessing of Abraham. And for some of us, maybe we look at that from a distance, from from a foreign perspective, and we say, well, that was for Abraham. But literally what Scripture is revealing here is the manner in which Abraham was blessed. And if you look at uh, Genesis 12, 13, 14, 15, what you'll see is this, that the Scriptures say that God called Abraham, and Abraham believed God. And the Bible says that God credited it to him as righteousness. In other words, it wasn't anything that Abraham did. It was God's goodness towards him. And so what the scriptures are declaring here is that Christ Jesus died and became a curse for us so that we could be restored back to the original purpose and intent of God, that we would walk in the blessing. Let me give it to you. In this, from this perspective, just imagine with me that you own a home. You owned a home. Now, this isn't just any home. It's a special home. It's a home that you obtained the land. You dug the hole. You built the foundation. You put every stud, every nail, every screw, every piece of sheetrock, every wall, every piece of electric fixture. You built it. And not only did you build it, but you furnished it to your liking. You painted it to, your, to the exact colors that you want. It is exactly what you wanted. It's the home of your dreams. But then one day, it's taken away from you. You lose it. And upon losing it, to your dismay over time, you repeatedly see over time that this home that you took such great care to make your own has fallen into disarray at the hands of another. The pain is faded. The roof is in shambles. The grass is overgrown. There are holes in the walls. The floor is ruined. It's leaking everywhere. And it breaks your heart to see this home day in and day out in that condition because you know what it was intended to be. You made it to be that way. But one day, the opportunity presents itself to get your home back. It's for sale. And it's for sale at a very high price because the people that are selling it know the potential that this home holds. They've priced it according to what it used to be. And so nobody's looking to buy it, but you are. Why? Because it's yours. Because you understand the value. Because you understand what it's supposed to be. Because you you have every intention to restore it, to buy it back and restore it to the original state that you created it to be. Now the implication here speaks of the word redeemed here. Notice that in verse 14 it says that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. In other words, Christ did not simply pay for our sin. He paid the ultimate price to bring us back unto himself as God always intended us to be. Now I get it. I get it. Some of us, the whole idea of blessing, that's it's been misrepresented it's been abused i grew up in that in that era in that in those times where it was well god will bless you if you just do this and god will do that and if you just do this and i bless you and this and that, and, and, and i've seen all the spiritual hula hoops 
I, I get it. I get it. It's one of those things that it's, it's, it's almost like it gives us a bad taste in the mouth. But that only happens if we, meet, if we misunderstand the purpose of the blessing of God in our lives. And the truth of the matter is this. Uh, turn with me in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1, 26 through 29. The truth of the matter is this, that we have to look at how God originally created us to be in order to understand the purpose and the power of his blessing in our life. Amen? So Genesis chapter 1, starting at verse 26, says this. Then God said, quick question, who said? God. Oh, that was weak. Who said? God. God. God said, right? All right, so we should pay attention to who's speaking here. It says, then God said, let us make mankind in our image and in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. And so God created mankind in his own image. The image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and he said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. Now, I want you to consider what happened here. God creates man, and according to his declaration, he created man to be just like him. That's God's desire. And so God says, I've created you to be just like me. I've created you to rule. I've created you to be an authority. I've created you for all these things. But the key in all this is the role that the blessing plays of God pray, uh, plays. So just to point out some things to you, and then we'll get into this a little bit further. If we look at the original intent of God, God intended that we would bear the image and likeness of God. In other words, I want you to be just like me. That's what God's saying. We see that our lives are meant to be characterized by fruitfulness. Jesus put it this way. You did not choose me. I chose you, and I appointed you to bear much fruit. So see the will of God? It's that in every area of our lives, we be productive. That something is bearing fruit. And the beautiful thing about fruit is this, that the more fruit you produce, the more seed you get in return, which gives you more ability to reproduce more fruit. I'm not talking about money, by the way. We are not taking a second offering. Get your head out of there. I'm not one of those guys. All right? But I want you to see that you are meant to be fruitful. The Bible in, in, in Genesis, uh, in these verses that we've read in Genesis, it also reveals to us that we were created, that we would rule and have dominion in every aspect of our life. That does not mean that you and I are meant to rule over people, that we're meant to be uh, better than other people. But the truth is that you and I are meant to be at the head. You are created to resemble the authority, the goodness of God, wherever you go. You're supposed to be the light, is what Jesus said. You're the salt of the earth. And so, in other words, wherever you go, there's supposed to be something that distinguishes you and gives you authority. And then lastly, what we see is that we would be fully provided for. That's in verse 29. God gives you the seed so that you can sow it. But I want to point your attention back to verse 28. If we could put that up, please. What we see is this, that it says that God blessed them and he said to them, be fruitful, increase the number, fill the earth, subdue it. What's my point here? 
that what made this all possible was God's blessing. Listen closely. At creation, the blessing of God was not just upon Adam and Eve. It was a part of their identity and their purpose. And why is that important? Because this wasn't just God's plan at the beginning. It's still God's plan today. Thus, we can appreciate and understand this valuable truth. That what Jesus did was to restore us back to the place where he created us for. To resemble him and to operate in his blessing. Listen, whether you know it or not, here's today's big idea. Whether you know it or not, your life is marked by God's blessing. And let me say something to you. If you don't know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you're not excluded from that. It's available to all mankind. Because God's desire is that none should perish, but that all would come to salvation. That's all of us. And the blessing of God and the call to salvation is not about attending a facility. It's about a personal relationship with God. It's about discovering your purpose. It's about turning around. The Bible says that the goodness of God leads us to repentance. You know what that's really saying? It's saying that the goodness of God turns us around. It causes us to turn around. So if you're in a place, if you're in an area in life, if you're struggling in some regard, here's what the goodness of God invites you to, to discover where he's pointing you to, back where you were always intended to be. Like him and doing good. That's a good good point. And so look, I understand that this is a topic that's been abused and misrepresented, But the reason that this has happened, and it still happens to this day, is because of a lack of understanding as to the purpose of the blessing of God. As we see in the beginning of all creation, while the blessing of God impacted every area of mankind's life, its purpose was to empower us to display the image of God and to do good, not just in our lives, but in all the world. How many of you would agree we need the blessing of God. Let me, can, I, can I take it a step further? How many of you would agree that it's God's will that you walk in his blessing? Let me ask you another question. How many of you desire to walk in the fullness of his blessing? Good. Well, if that's you, then guess what? The, prime, the, the pump is primed and you're ready to hear the word of God. Because listen, you're not created to struggle. You're not created for less than God's best. If that was the case, Jesus wouldn't have went to the cross. He paid too much a higher price for us to live less than his best. Amen? Amen? Amen. And so I want to point your attention to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, which, and I'm going to be reading from the Amplified Version because I just love the way it amplifies it. it. It really bears out the meaning of this particular portion of Scripture. It says, for we, say, that's me. Tell somebody else, he's talking about me there. You need to know it's about you. He says, for we are his workmanship, his own masterwork, a work of art. Now, I want you to pause right there for a minute because in the original language, what it's saying is you are a masterpiece. You are an intricately created piece of art. Something never seen, something that's never entered the heart of men, nothing that, something that doesn't make sense. But it's what God says you and I are created as. His masterpiece. And so it says, for we are his workmanship, his own masterwork, a work of art, created in Christ Jesus, reborn from above. In other words, you now have a new life. 
spiritually transformed, renewed, ready to be used for good works, which God prepared for us beforehand, taking paths which he set so that we would walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us. Listen, there's this uh, belief system out there that says if you're going through it, if you're going through hard times, if you're enduring some sort of sickness, if you're going through some sort of loss, just know that, that God, you know, puts his toughest soldiers through the hardest battles. That is a lie from the pit of hell. And let me tell you why. Let me prove it to you from Scripture. Because what God says is, I know you as a masterwork. And because I know you as a masterwork, I've created you unto good works. I've blessed you. And so here's the thinking. Some people say, well, if I'm going through it, it must, be God, it must be part of God's plan because God knows everything. God knows one thing, what he created you to be, and that's all good. It's like him, it's for him, it's blessed, it's to prosper, it's to do good things in life. Listen, you were created for more than maybe what you've been told. Listen closely. This is why we must be renewed in our understanding. And know what God knows. Because God's plan is not for you to go through some of the circumstances you go through. That is not part of God's will. His will is good. And so it's important that we consider what scripture says. Because God's blessing has always been a part of the plan for your life. That's God's plan. That you walk in his blessing. That you're empowered by his blessing. Let Let me put it to you this way. Along the lines of us being a masterpiece, you being a masterpiece. Which picture are you looking at when it comes to your life? Are you looking at this one? Now, if you look at it, can you even make out what it's about? Or will you expand your vision to see what God sees and see the greater masterpiece? See, if all you're doing is focusing on small areas of your life, if all you're doing is focusing on me, 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 bless me, bless me, bless me, gimme, gimme, gimme. You're missing the bigger picture. God is empowering you by his blessing, yes, to enjoy good things in life, but also to walk in his goodness and do good in life unto others. How will people know Jesus if they don't see the blessing of God in your life? You know, since a young age, I was told, one day you're going to preach the word. And I would say, I don't want to be no preacher. You know why? Because part of the example of a preacher that I had was someone who was broke, struggling in life, and, and they, they preached all this good stuff, but they lived a double life. It was hypocrisy. And they settled for less than God's best. And so for me, I would listen to this, I would look at this, and I would go, I don't want that. And what I came to realize is, it wasn't that they weren't any less blessed, it's just that they didn't know what the word says. Are you getting my point here? We must look to God's opinion. We must expand our view and see the whole masterpiece. Your new life is meant for good things, and your life is the masterpiece that displays it, and the blessing of God is the one that empowers you to live it. And so I want to encourage you to pay attention to the bigger picture at hand. And I want to take you to Deuteronomy verses, uh, chapter 28, verses 1 through 14. And I want us to look at the blessing of God. Here's a good example of the blessing of God. And so if you'll join me, we'll start at verse 1. It says, Now it shall come to pass, 
if you delight, I'm sorry, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey, I'm, I'm sorry, because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall, you be, shall be the fruit of your uh, body, the produce of your ground, the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle, and the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall be your basket and your netting bowl. Blessed shall, be, shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses and in all to which you set your hand and he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. The Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself just as he has sworn to you if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. Then all the peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of you. And the Lord will grant you plenty of goods in the fruit of your body, in the increase of your livestock, in the produce of your ground, in the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open to you his good treasure, the heavens, to give the rain to your land in its season. And to bless all the work of your hand, you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above only and not beneath. If you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today and are careful to observe them, so you shall not turn aside from any of the words which I command you this day, to the right or to the left, to go after the God's to serve them, to other gods to serve them. I want you to consider some things about the blessing of God. Verse 2 tells us that it overtakes us. That word overtake speaks of one that reaches out and secures a thing and takes hold of it. And so, listen, whether you're taking a hold of the blessing of God that is upon you or not, whether you are partaking of the blessing of God that is available to you or not, Here's the truth, that God's, God's blessing has taken a hold of you. Listen, if you're here and this is the first time you're hearing this, I want to invite you to consider this, that God has a blessing, a great blessing for your life. It's not based on just what the material things, it's blessed on so much more. It's a complete quality of life. It's a complete empowerment to a greater purpose in life. It reveals God, not just to you, but through you. God has good purposes for you and I, and his blessing is inviting us to be overtaken by it. Amen. In verses 3 and 6, we see that it goes wherever you go. Now, I want you to consider this. I like the way Psalm 23 puts it. It says that his goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. This is the same guy that says, uh, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not going to be afraid. Why? Because you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. David was so conscious of God that he understood, no matter where I go, the blessing goes with me. Let me tell you why the blessing of God goes with you. 
Why the Bible says that it comes in with you and it goes out with you. That you're blessed in the city and you're blessed in the country because it's a part of your identity. You aren't just blessed. You are the blessed of God. That is your identity. And there is no shame. There is no pride in identifying with that. God calls you blessed. The question is, do you embrace that truth? Do you see life through those eyes? Will you accept what God's plan is for your life? The Bible tells us in Deuteronomy 28 that it causes all that you do to increase. All that you do to increase. But what I love about it is that it reveals is whatever you put your hand to. So wherever you put your effort towards, here's what you should expect. It's blessed. It's blessed. It'll produce. It will produce. Listen, I, I, maybe somebody needs to hear this today. Stop approaching life expecting defeat. Don't approach it that way. Stop expecting that it's not your turn, that it's not your time. Listen, if Christ is your Lord and you know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior and you are seeking God, I'm not talking about your behavior. That's not what I'm talking about. Your behavior has nothing to do with what God has done for you. He loves you regardless of that. He knows you according to what he's done in Jesus. You are just like him. That's why he redeemed you. He brought you back to that. So I'm not talking about your behavior. But listen, if Christ is your Lord and Savior, then here's what you need to understand. That you are blessed. And so expect the blessing of God. Don't be one of those guys that goes, the sun is shining, but man, it's going to rain. Don't be a Debbie Downer or a, a, I don't know, a David Downer, whatever. Listen, open your eyes to the blessing that is upon you and expect it. When you go for that next interview, you walk in there and you say, I'm blessed. Father, I thank you for your blessing. I agree with it. When you walk into that neighborhood and it looks like it's crazy and your kids are acting up and people are dropping left and right all around you, listen, just understand, you are the blessing there. So walk in it, declare it, let God be revealed. Begin to pray for people, begin to encourage people. Speak life, not death. Agree with the blessing of God that's in you, upon you, with you, and release it. The scriptures say, listen, the scriptures say, and this is probably why at one point or another I've been accused of being a prosperity preacher. Um, and I make no apologies for it. The word of God says that he causes your storehouses to increase. Your finances. He causes them to increase. He, he does that. I didn't say that. He says that. So why not agree with the word of God? But see, don't, don't be... Don't be foolish and go, God, increase my finances, but you're not putting your hand to anything. You have to, op- you have to cooperate with the blessing of God. The Bible says that he gives us the power to create wealth, right? Yeah. But if your hands ain't put to anything, don't expect anything. So we have to agree with the, 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 the blessing of God. And lastly, what we saw in, in, in amongst many things in Deuteronomy 28 is that it puts us in authority. It puts us in authority. But I want to point something out here that's very important. Deuteronomy 28 is after mankind fell, right? And so in the beginning, God gave us authority, right? To walk in his authority, to be like him, to, to be fruitful and all that. 
But there was one thing that wasn't necessary then that the blessing of God now makes possible. See, notice that the blessing of God in your life does the same thing that it did at the beginning of creation. But there is one more thing that it does in Christ. It deals with the very thing that comes against God's blessing in your life now. It overcomes our enemies. Listen closely. The scriptures declare that your enemy will come at you one way, but they will flee from you in seven directions. Listen to the blessing of God. It covers every area of our lives. Some of us today might be struggling with this and you might say, well, how come it's not working for me? I'm so glad you asked that. Because I want you to consider the words of Jesus in Luke eleven twenty eight. 28. It says, but he said, speaking of Jesus, more than that. So in other words, there's a great emphasis here. More than that, bless are those who hear the word and keep it. So let me ask you a question. God has declared his blessing over you by Christ. Are you listening? Let me put it to you this way. Is that what informs your understanding? Every day we walk in life and we hear. We're hearing something. For some of us, we hear what we've been told. We hear the labels that have been put upon us. We hear the things that we've accepted. We hear what the, what the world tells us. We hear our upbringing. We hear our mistakes. But the thing about it is this, that when you understand the blessing of God, your hearing becomes transformed. And so no matter what you see, here's what the blessing of God says. I'm with you. I'm for you. I've called you to be like me. You are like me. You're good. I'm providing for you. You won't lack for anything. I'm your strength. I've given you ability. I've called you to go forward. And so the question is, are you listening? Here's one other thing to consider from Deuteronomy 30, verses 19 and 20. It says, this day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death. Blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life and he will give you many years in the land he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. See, God's blessing is upon you, but you must choose to live in it. We must choose that. You can reject the blessing of God, although you have it. We can reject the blessing of God, though it's available to us. And so, for the next couple of moments that we have here, I want to introduce you to a portion of the Bible in the life of, a, of two women. One named Naomi, and the other one named Ruth. And I'm going to point you to a few portions of this uh, account that the Holy Spirit gives us through God's Word. But for the most part, I'm going to kind of just tell you the story with the hope that you'll go back and you'll check out the book of Ruth for yourself. And I want to just simply say this, that before we get started, while this is a story about a woman named Naomi and a woman named Ruth, it, it's, it's a story that reveals, it's a type and shadow. In other words, it's alluding to something greater, something that is now yours and mine in Christ. 
And so Naomi was an Israelite woman. What does that mean? Naomi knew the blessing of God. As a matter of fact, Naomi lived in the time when they were ruled by judges. And so Naomi had witnessed the power of God through the display of these men and women that were judges of her day. Naomi had also heard of the great miracles, how God had delivered them. And Naomi, being a Jew, was aware of the promises of God. But the Bible tells us that though she knew all this, though we understand that she knew all this, there came a time when a famine struck the land. And her husband, Elimelech, made the decision with Naomi to take their family, Naomi, Elimelech, and their two sons, and to take them away from Israel and to take them to a land called Moab, where the ways of the Lord were uncommon. And the reason why they went there was because they heard that there was food. So remember that point. They leave Israel. They leave where the people of God are in search of some food at a place that is far from what is common to God. And so the Bible says that they get there and you would think things got better, there's food. But the reality is that things got worse. As you study the story for yourself and you go back to it on your own time this week, I want you to realize that things actually got worse for them. See, first thing that happens is Naomi's husband dies. Her husband dies. The next thing that happens is that her two sons take wives from the people of Moab. Now you might say, man, that's cause for great celebration. But you see, the Moabites were pagan people. They rejected the promises of God. They had their own gods. They had their own ways. And so what ended up happening with Naomi's sons is that instead of drawing closer to God, they grew further apart. But to make matters worse, after 10 years of being married to these women, both Naomi's sons die. And now it's just Naomi and her two daughters-in-law, one named Orpah and the other one named Ruth. And so the Bible says that there comes a point where Naomi says, I'm going back to Israel. How many of you would agree that the situation is bleak? It's gotten real bad for Naomi. And so Naomi says, I'm going back to Israel. She tells her daughter-in-laws, go back to your households, to your parents. Go back to your gods. Go marry from your own people. And you would think that Naomi's saying that because there's some good in it. But the scriptures reveal to us really what was going on. In Ruth chapter 1, verse 13, the second half, Naomi says this, it's more bitter for me than for you. Notice that she doesn't say it's more better. She says it's more bitter for me than for you. But watch what she's saying. Because the Lord's hand has turned against me. I want you to consider where Naomi finds herself at this juncture in her life. Naomi is convinced that God is against her. She's gotten to such a point in life that she believes, God, you don't love me. God, you're not for me. God, you've withdrawn your blessing from me. God, you've left me. But the thing about it is this, that Naomi tells him, leave. You don't want any part of being around me. 
And one of her daughter-in-laws, Orpah, says, you know what? I'm out. See ya. Wouldn't want to be ya. Ruth, on the other hand, says, no, I'm not leaving you. Now watch what Ruth says. Ruth says, where you go, I'll go. Where you live, I'll live. The God you serve will be my God. And so that doesn't quite make sense if you consider it. Because what she's saying is, the God that you're blaming is the God that I'll follow. If you'll go there, I'm going there. Ruth was in for something greater, as we'll see in this story. But I have to warn you that while it looks like this story is about Ruth, this story is really about Naomi. And this story is really about you and I. And so Naomi returns to Israel. And when she gets there, the people of Israel are excited. As a matter of fact, they say to themselves, the scriptures record, can this be Naomi? And so in Ruth chapter 1 verses 20 and 21, we see Ruth's response to their excitement and their question. She says, don't call me Naomi. Let me pause right there. According to the times and cultures of, 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 this, of these times, when you had a child, you named them, you were professing something over them. It was either a blessing or a cursing. Naomi's name literally meant, means my delight. And so I want you to consider what Naomi's saying. She says, don't call me a delight. Don't call me Naomi. Instead, she says, call me Mara. The word Mara means bitter. She says, call me Mara because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. Now listen closely to what she says. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. I want you to see that Naomi had been, uh, become so convinced that God's hand was against her that she, re she, she rejects the blessing declared over her at birth through her name. She completely disassociates herself with what God had purposed her for. And instead of living in her blessing, she lived in a state of bitterness. Let me point something out to you here. When you're unaware of the blessing of God... Life gets harder than what it needs to be. Listen closely. When you live life unconscious of the blessing of God, you'll live like you're not blessed. You'll get those results. And so, let me point something else out to you, uh, about this to you. Notice that in verse 21, Naomi talks about when she left Israel. Now remember when we read this earlier? When, when I was sharing with you earlier, she leaves with her husband because they believe they're in lack. They leave in search of food. But listen to what Naomi says in verse 21. She says, I went away full. Let me point something out to you. Naomi and her family leave Israel believing that they're in lack. But as Naomi reflects, here's what she realizes. No, we were really blessed. And so watch what she now says. She says, I went away full. But the Lord has brought me back empty. 
Something is short-circuited here. She's missing something. Naomi was blessed despite the famine from which her family ran from. They didn't lack anything. The blessing of God was there. But they lived less than the blessing that was upon them when they went in search of something less than the blessing of God. Ladies and gentlemen, we can do that sometimes with our lives. God says, stay here. Follow this path. Listen to my instruction. Trust my goodness towards you. Trust my provision. Trust my promises. Trust the truth of my word. And sometimes what we do is we say, nah, I'm lacking. And we go to a Moab seeking something that isn't there. We go in search of emptiness instead of the fullness that accompanies us in the blessing of God. It shouldn't be that way. And so the Bible tells us that Naomi returns to Israel. The thing about it is that Naomi comes with no husband and no children. Now, for a widow, that's a bad circumstance because widows were to be provided by their children. And if the children weren't around, by, by a kin. And so Naomi comes back to Israel and she seemingly comes to nothing. And so the Bible says that Ruth one day says to Naomi, Naomi, I'm going to go to a field to glean. In those times, according to the law, when the harvest time came around, as you were harvesting, if anything dropped on the floor, you were to leave it. You were, leave, you were to leave it for widows and for the destitute, for the ones who had no means of providing for themselves. And so literally what Ruth is saying is, let me go pick up leftovers. Let me go pick up what the law allows for us to have. And Ruth goes to a particular field. It turns out it's owned by a man named Boaz who happens to be a distant relative of Naomi. By the way, there was no coincidence here. Because what we're going to find as we hear the rest of the story as I'm wrapping up is that the blessing of God never left. And God was redeeming and bringing Naomi back to a place where she understood, I've never left you. I'm for you. And I'm bringing you back to the place that you were always meant to be. And so... Ruth goes to this uh, field, and the story goes that she's picking up, she's gleaning, she asks permission, they tell her it's okay, and she's gleaning leftovers. And the Bible says that Boaz happens to show up. And Boaz sees her, and he turns to one of his servants, and he says, hey, who's the girl out there? Who does she belong to? And the servant says, she's Naomi's daughter-in-law. And he says, let her be. He says, let her get whatever she wants. He says, as a matter of fact, I want you to purposely drop some extra stalks of the stuff that we have and leave it there for her. Nobody bother her. Leave her alone. Let her have in abundance. And so then the Bible says that Boaz calls for Naomi to be, for, for Ruth to be brought to him. And Ruth comes to him and he says to him, sit right here, sweetheart. Have a meal on me. 
And whatever you got left over, you can take it with you. And then he says this to her. Don't go get water. He says, go get water where the men draw from. You know what he was saying to her? In those times, women went to the well to get water. It was their responsibility to go and, and take on the hardship of the labor of getting water. What he's saying to her is this. Don't go where you're supposed to go. Go get it where you don't have to work for it. Let me make it easy for you. And then he says, don't you go to any other field. You come here every day, sweetheart. Come here. You can have whatever you want. And so that day, Ruth goes back to her mother-in-law, Naomi. And she comes with a couple of ephahs of barley. It's quite a large amount. And so Naomi says, where did you go glean? And Ruth says, I went to a field of a man named Boaz. And all of a sudden, something clicks for Naomi. Wait, Boaz, he's a relative of ours. And so she realizes something. And so over the course of time, there comes a day when Naomi says to Ruth, Sweetheart, go put on your best dress. Go put on your Coco Chanel. Put on your earrings. You, you... Work it, girl. Put it all on. Put that makeup on. Do your hair. Get your nails did. Right? And she tells her, go to Boaz. But wait till after he's eaten and he's had a bit too much to drink. And you're going to find him at a threshing floor. And she tells her to do something that, would, that Boaz would understand to be her saying to him, I am saying to you that I would love to be your wife if you would take me. And so here's what she does. She goes to the threshing floor. She follows Naomi's instructions. She gets there and Boaz is knocked out. And she lays at his feet and she takes a piece of his robe and puts it over her. The Bible says that Boaz eventually wakes up. And when he sees her, he immediately says, whoa, he understands what's going on. And so he, he, he says to her, listen, I am willing to do this thing. He says, but there's another family member that you don't know about who has a right to you before me. And the reason why Naomi was telling, uh, Naomi instructed Ruth to go and do this was because according to the Jewish culture, the customs, when you lost a son, when, 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 when a son died, the brother his, his sibling was supposed to, his, his brother was supposed to marry the widow and so that she could, so that he could carry through him his name and the legacy. And so what Naomi's trying to ensure here is that my, that my family line isn't cut off. That this continues. And so Boaz is willing to do this. But there was one that had the right before Boaz. And so he says, don't you worry. I'm going to go talk to him. And if he says he won't do it, I'll marry you. He goes, he talks to the guy. And lo and behold, it works out. Boaz comes back and he marries her. Now, you might be hearing the story and you might go, wow, what a great blessing to Ruth. Let me point your attention back to scripture. See, the Bible says that Boaz marries Ruth. And that shortly thereafter, Ruth has a son. This meant 
that Naomi's son's legacy and the family name would be carried on. This was a big deal. But it meant more than that. Because it, would, it also meant, it would directly impact Naomi herself. It would bring a restoration into her life that she had thought she had lost. Ruth chapter 4 verses 13 and 16 says this, So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. And when he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive and she gave birth to a son. The women said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. Listen to what they're saying. God has remembered you And God has brought you back to your original state. Watch this. They say, may he become famous throughout all Israel. Look at what they're saying about this child. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. I want to point out your attention to something. That it was the blessing of God that was now at work in her life. That was restoring back to her new life new life and the one that would sustain her it says for your daughter-in-law who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons has given him birth then Naomi took the child in her arms and she cared for him and the woman living there said Naomi has a son and they named him Obed he was the father of Jesse the father of David now As I said, this book is entitled Ruth, but it's about so much more than Ruth. It's an account of the goodness of God towards his people and how the power of his blessing overtakes us and leads us and restores us back unto new life. Listen, Naomi believed that she was doing something good for Ruth, but what Naomi didn't realize was that God was doing something better for her. I want to point your attention to this, that the blessing of God gives us the power to live a new life in Christ and to sustain us unto eternity. Let me prove that to you. Notice that the Bible says that the woman said to her, Naomi has a son. In other words, God has restored to you what you lost is what they're saying. And they named him Obed. But here's the thing about Obed. Obed was the father, became the father of a man named Jesse, who was to be the father of David, who was the very one that God said, this is a man after my own heart. And through this man and through his lineage, I will bless all mankind and I will bring forth a savior. And so watch this. God took someone in complete bitterness, in complete hurt, in complete brokenness, misunderstanding the goodness of God and God said I'm unwilling to leave you there and I will empower you and buy you back and bring you to where I've always intended you to be and a son comes and through that son listen not only did it bless Naomi ladies and gentlemen we're blessed because of it we have Jesus because it came through that line It's the same blessing upon you, and it's the reason why you and I can enjoy and live a new life.